So we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes college. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the NFL extending their regular season to 17 games, the NBA trade deadline, Drew Brees' retirement, NFL draft pick swaps, and the college basketball women's tournament. But before we get into it, let's introduce ourselves. My name is Mohammed, and I let my partner introduce himself. It's Alex, his brother, but it's time for the news. Uh, it's, it's definitely heating up in another way for our sports, uh, getting closer to that NBA uh, playoffs. But go ahead, Mohammed. Oh, yeah, let's dive right into it. But we'll start off with some... Kind of old news, but Drew Brees has retired after 20 seasons. So he spent most of his career with the New Orleans Saints, but started with the San Diego Chargers, but got hurt. They moved on without him, drafted Phillip Rivers, and then he became the Drew Brees that we now know today. And currently he is the all-time passing leader in yards and um, second in touchdown passes. But how will Drew Brees be remembered? He's going to be remembered as an Iron Man, like who went above the odds. Like he's, I, I, I know that people frame it, it's kind of like he overachieved, overachieved and underachieved to ultimate greatness. Like you don't, put him in the level of where we're considering Brady or Peyton Manning or Marino or certain certain quarterbacks, but he definitely overachieved for what, what the most expect out of what he is. And not to be so uh, mechanical about thinking about him, but his height, uh, his injuries, and many of the things he had to overcome. Well, I would say that Drew Brees is definitely going to be remembered for being an overachiever because he kind of opened that doorway for people or, or men um, in the NFL that's not as tall at being at six feet tall compared to the usual quarterback to succeed. And um, NFL teams are able to look at some of those shorter quarterbacks like now Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. Um, even Baker Mayfield. I don't think he's too tall. I think he's like six feet or something. But now teams are looking at those guys as franchise quarterbacks or potential franchise quarterbacks. So I think he um, paved the way for that. And, you know, he he did just as good as I think anybody as far as stats. Um, but he'll always be remembered as a great player that was a Super Bowl champion. That's that's the problem with that statement, though. A Super Bowl champion, not multiple Super Bowls, which is going to keep him kicked out of the great, great cons- conversations and put him in. Sorry to say, but like the Romo conversation. Oh, Romo, no, that's just disrespectful. No, it's not. No, 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 no. Because Romo got a bunch of records. Like he has a bunch of records. Like Cowboys records. No, no, like, honestly, he did not have a, a lot of bad records. Like, he was actually a very good quarterback. Like, by his stats, looking back at Romo, he's going to make the Hall of Fame. 
I know he didn't win a Super Bowl, but he's going to go to the Hall of Fame for his stats. And I'm sorry, but just thinking of where he kind of fits, he fits above Tony Romo, but he fits in that neighborhood. So why does Tony Romo fit with Drew Brees? I, I, don't, I don't get that. Stats. What stats? Romo has a lot of stats. So he has 34,000 yards passing. And Drew Brees has 40,000 more. Um, Tony Romo has 248 passing touchdowns. Drew Brees has 300 more. I, I don't see where he fits. Not, not stats. completely <laughs> comparing with their... I'm talking about like, um, you know, little there's records in the NFL and Romo holds a good amount of those records when it comes to having great oh, eight, seasons eight. Or, or completions. Or, and, and it's not that I'm like overly being joyous. And it's not about an argument for, for Romo being considered greater than he is. But And I have, trust me, Drew Brees was my favorite quarterback for a good long time. So this is, I, I know you would think it seems like a diss, but being realistic where, where Romo's going to end up fitting in history, he's going to get bumped up in history on how good he was because of stats. How? I'm telling <laughs> you. stats? <laughs> it's going to be the records he holds. And it's not really what stats. Records? What records? He he holds records. I can't give you. I should. I, I should <laughs> look up something right now. I don't know what records he's talking about. Not to get to get to into Romo conversation. <laughs> I'm just saying that Drew Brees is going to be uh, not considered in that higher tier. Well, I mean that's very disrespectful to say Tony Romo and Drew Brees, but I mean especially this man ain't sniffed a, a championship, um, and. I mean, he had chances, but just didn't come through. Um, but Drew Brees is definitely on another level compared to Tony Romo. Tony Romo, he was great for his time. Um, he took a lot of flack just for playing for the Cowboys. But I think he holds a lot of records for just them, not league-wide. And Tony Romo will probably be like, I don't know. It might take him 10 tries to get into the Hall of Fame and just barely. Just barely. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Just barely. But he, I think he gets in. <laughs> That's what I don't know about that, though. I don't know if he gets in. Because, um, I mean, he didn't play that long. But yeah, mm-hmm. where does Drew Brees rank for you all time? Uh, I'm sorry. He, like, not, like, fully pulling the names out. He got to be, like, and this is being generous, I think, Top twenty, and he on that lower end on the top twenty. Okay, that's. I think that's pretty fair. Top twenty, yeah. I, I think he's. I, I think that's a good spot to put him. Um, you know, he was a really great guy who put up a lot of stats and didn't always come through in the end, especially towards the end of his career. I think earlier on he probably could have. Well, he cashed in a few times, but um, just go back and look at his playoff run. Towards the Super Bowl, he beat Peyton Manning, um, Brett Favre, and Kurt Warner. So he had a great playoff run. That's funny because uh, that's going to be the same argument for Eli Manning. So he beat Brett Favre. He beat, um, of course, Tom Brady. Who else did he beat in there? 
Uh, I'm not sure. He beat Aaron Rodgers, but th- those were two separate Green Bay teams. True, but I think that's just funny because you know I think that Eli sucks <laughs> completely, but he somehow backed into two two championships and beat the uh, top. Ooh, eight and eight. That good old eight and eight, barely in. He showed up when he had to. You know, I have to admit it. But I mean, as time has passed, I, you know, I've some of those wounds have healed, and the Giants are just trash. So, I mean, it it helps that you know Brady and the Patriots have won since then. But he he did his part. Yeah, I agree. And I'm trying to think, did Plexico Burris get any one of those championships? He got the first one. I he guess. did, okay. Um, yeah, okay. he caught the game-winning touchdown. That is right. Okay, I was just trying to remember whether he got any of that. Yep, same thing with Victor Cruz. He got, he got one of them. One. Yeah. But um, for me, Drew Brees, I would say, yeah, he probably ranks in the top 20. I probably couldn't name all of those quarterbacks, but I think Peyton Manning's better. Of course, Tom Brady's better. Um, let me see. Uh, Joe Montana. I, oh, yeah, um, Joe Montana. You got to now put him in. You got to put him I in the, the history. Better. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even count current uh, quarterbacks because, well, then you got to put Tom Brady out if you're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, <laughs> but uh, you kind of got to compare him to the retired ones. Uh, of course, we know that the current ones can really beat him out also. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, we can't think too hard. and He might get kicked out of that top 20. Oh, no. I, yeah, I mean. All time? All time? Yeah. I, I think he makes the top 20. I, I think he makes the top 20. I'm like, he's definitely yo, better than Romo. Warren, I mean, come on, Warren Moon. Um, I like, bro, like if you're going back, like there's some quarterbacks here that it can easily push him out of that top twenty. I mean, he might make top twenty. I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head, but I, I think, think if we think to think too hard and we push him out of that top twenty, I don't know. I, either way, he's still great. He overachieved for somebody for his height. Won a Super Bowl ring, played some of the best quarterbacks that have ever come through the league while he was playing. So I, I think he is great. Definitely be great. Um, the city of New Orleans will always be um, happy that he came and decided to play for them. So he's he's done a lot. Boy, that, that was a mutual situation. He was on our last leg his own when he got there. So the, we can't be like they saved each other. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I, it was a, a mutual friendship that became something huge. Yeah, because he was not no sought-after uh, quarterback at that time. <laughs> not at all. No, but it's not where you start, it's where you finish. You're so. right. You're definitely right. He gets a whole <laughs> lot more credit for that. Yeah, yeah. So he, he definitely developed under um, Sean Payton. And, you know, they, for the most part, they got the best out of what they could. I think they underachieved a little bit towards the end, but they, they got the best out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's move it on. What'd you say? Go ahead. No. Oh, so let's move it on to the NFL draft and how the Miami Dolphins had the number three pick 
and then traded it to the San Francisco, oh, yeah, San Francisco 49ers, um, who had pick number 12. So the 49ers move up to number three. The Dolphins move back to 12 and also got two first rounders. So their first rounder from this year, um, the 49ers, and next year, and 2023. And they turn that first pick around to move back up to number six and traded with the Eagles. So now the Eagles have that number 12 pick. So with these trades, who do you think was the biggest winner? Miami. <laughs> Honestly, I think it was great manager. That's great moving. Because I think on the low, this is a if the heat cooled down about uh, Deshaun Watson, they might make a move to use those positions to, to get him. So I, I wouldn't count that out because I, I think they're not sold on Tua. That tanking for Tua, now they're regretting that. But they, they didn't put themselves in bad positions outside of that. So I think they're still trying to make that push for glory, uh, trying to get to a Super Bowl. But, yeah, so I, I would say it's definitely got to be Miami to me. Oh, yeah, it's definitely Miami. Um, and just to think back, this is actually the Houston, Texas pick, Texans pick, um, that number three pick. That's why they have a high draft pick. Um, they actually, I think they have two first rounders, two first round picks um, for this year. And then they turn that around, flip it into another two, but, you know, gave one away to move back up. But Miami is definitely doing a lot of wheeling and dealing, and they have to be sitting in the best spot right now. They can do so, so many things like get Deshaun Watson, um, even though his stock may be dropping as we speak right now. Um so we'll, we'll see if the Texans still want to give them up. But, man, the Dolphins, if they play it right, at the least they should be Super Bowl contenders within, within the next few years. Yeah, I agree. Two years. And if they flip-flip this, like if like what I'm thinking, like somehow they get the Sean Watson, the, the heat cool off on him, and they, they flip that, because I think they still have a lot of other pieces and moves to make with that. You set up like that, it's, it's old Miami. It's that great field. People are coming, well, post-corona, it's coming down there. They're going to support the team. But <laughs> They're coming say, right now. What do you mean? They are. They are. <laughs> True. They, Florida's lit. But, uh, <laughs> but I would say it, it just it definitely spills, spells better for Miami to be in a good position with a – Sad to say it. Well, not really sad to say it, but a weekend division. You do have Buffalo in there who's been strong and consistent, but it's time to make moves in that division uh, because the Patriots have shown their vulnerability and they need to actually prove that they're still the dominant force that they were before. Yeah, it's been a little weekend, but, you know, it seems like that next team has, you know, took the next step because they did make it to the AFC championship game which is something that the Patriots have had done for the past six, seven years before 2019. So, um, and the Patriots have retooled at this point. So hopefully they come through and start competing at a high level. But with the 49ers now moving up in the draft 
at number three. What do you think this says about Jimmy Garoppolo? I don't know, because I guess that's a move to get a quarterback, but which quarterback are you getting? Um, so I don't completely understand this move for San Fran. Like, their their pick wasn't that bad before. They ha- They have a plan, but I don't think we're here to know what that plan is because they they have said that they're sticking with Jimmy G at least for the year that could of course change but I do believe them on that which does kind of seem like they can at least draft another quarterback to then get them kind of pushed into the push uh starting rotation if Jimmy is messing up or you could I, I just think they should possibly use that for a number one receiver but that's just me. I think it's a better division, sorry, a better draft for a receiver than it is for a quarterback at that position. Really? Okay. Well, I don't know if you've been paying attention to all the hype that's been surrounding these quarterbacks, but a lot of people have been saying that within the first six or seven picks, four quarterbacks can be taken. So this guy, this has to be a quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo should be feeling like, okay, where's my next destination? Because they're about to ship me out of here. I don't care what they're saying. I'm their, I'm their guy. Um, he has to be feeling like he's in the hot seat, which he should. I mean, he's been injured, injury prone, um, hasn't really lived up to what they expected him to be, um, even though he was the quarterback that led them to a Super Bowl appearance. He wasn't the main reason why they got there. Um, and the best ability is availability, which he hasn't had. So they're looking to move on. And I think that is the right choice. Yeah, I, I agree. They are probably looking to move on. But I do believe that they are going to stick with him this year. I don't think they're going to make the biggest gamble. Um, so they don't get a quarterback for this year? I don't know. I think if they do get one, they keep them. Okay, yeah, you keep it for this year. For the year, for the year. I'm not saying past this year, no, not at all. I definitely don't think past this year. Um, yeah, I think he's definitely gone by next, at least next year. But uh, I, I do not see them not going with him also because I think they want to make sure that there's some kind of consistency. And these these rookies are unknown factors. Well, he's an unknown <laughs> if he's unknown at this point and he's been in the league, then that's a, well, it is a problem. That's why they're looking. <laughs> he is an unknown. He barely played last year. His first full season was the year before when they went to the Super Bowl. And before that, he has not played a 16-game season. I think the year before was his only 16-game season. So he's just injury-prone. They need somebody else. Um I always thought he was the weakest link on the team for the most part, but you go up to number three, you, you're not trying to get a wide receiver. Who's who are these most popular quarterbacks right now that they're looking at? I've, I've seen some uh, on this, but who is it that are these quarterbacks that they're looking at other than Trevor Lawrence? Of course, so, they're good. Jags is pulling, grabbing him, so that's just null and void. But go ahead. So Trevor Lawrence, of course, is going to be that number one pick. And then Zach Wilson, he's gotten a whole bunch of hype. Like people actually thinking that 
he could be just as good or even better than Trevor Lawrence. So they're thinking the Jets are going to take him. And then that leaves um, Trey Lance from North Dakota State, same school that Carson Wentz went to, and um, Mac Jones, the quarterback from Alabama, and also Justin Fields. So that's five quarterbacks that people are putting forward like, okay, you got Trevor Lawrence, um, Zach Wilson, kind of on the same level that people are looking them at. And then the next three are kind of all around the same. So I'm thinking that the 49ers are good with any of the quarterbacks that's left. Wow. That's where they're at. <laughs> Dang. Uh, <laughs> anybody who's left. <laughs> Dang, Jimmy. Out, out, not... of, out of the last three. Of course. I, I, but that that probably is what's going to happen. Like, why make a move like that unless you're not looking to pull that type of move? Um there's no way Trevor Lawrence falls down to that point. That's why um, your boy Polk came out of retirement anyway. You know, he only good for about two to three years before he retires again. Um, but not to put it at his health, but that is real. Um, what's his name again from Ohio State and also uh, coach for Florida? Oh, Urban Meyer. Meyer. Yeah, sorry, I came to it already. But yeah, uh, <laughs> Urban Meyer, that's why he even came out of retirement it is for Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so I think he has a three-year stretch before he then retires, uh, just to be kind of off sidetrack. But these other these other teams, like San Fran, I guess they really don't have a real faith in him. So yeah, they're going to choose a quarterback. It is what it is what it is. But I think it is a better draft for receivers. Oh well, personally, I think that you can easily get a receiver at ten. 11, 12, I mean, easily. There's like four or five receivers that you can draft that are just about the same. Well, not exactly the same, but, I mean, they're all great. You're probably right because I forget the whole market for uh, receivers right now is all messed up in the NFL. Uh, A lot of these receivers are sitting, like, available, like Antonio Brown. He's proven that he can he can do it. And even with Baltimore, they haven't even pulled the trigger and they're all friends. They want it to happen and they, they haven't done it yet. Um, and along with uh, with uh, Juju being signed back to this to the Steelers, that's just because the, the market wasn't friendly. So you, you may be right. Like the, the franchises aren't really valuing receivers. But I think in the end, in three to five years from now, they're going to look back and be like, wow, these were, this was a great draft for receivers. Oh, yeah. It should definitely be a great draft for receivers. Um, but let's go ahead and move along to the NFL expanding their regular season. So NFL owners approved the expansion of the regular season to 17 games, a long-expected decision that will generate additional revenue for the country's richest sports league. And the players agreed to the additional game as part of their 2020 collective bargaining agreement, which gave the league an option to expand as soon as the 2021 season. So the preseason will be reduced to only three games. Um, you have a 17-game season with still one bye week. Um, and the Super Bowl has been pushed back a week later, so February 13th of 2022. So, do you think a 17-game NFL season is too long? 
it's too long for the human body, but it's not too long for what they <laughs> plans they have for money and producing and, and making up for Corona times. So it's it's definitely bad. Going to be bad on these uh, these players. Like careers will be shortened. I I personally think uh, careers will be shortened due to these uh, overuse of their bodies. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, they're all about the money, so their their minds they line up. Especially since Corona is a very big mo- motivator for such a loss of money that people are wanting so much to get back to where they were or or more. Yeah, this is definitely gonna be rough on the players, um, but they agreed to it. They selected people to um, bargain with the NFL owners, and this is what they agreed to. They did it, I think, about a year ago, and it was done very quickly. I'm not sure of all the, you know, details beyond adding a, an extra game, but they agreed to this very quickly. So the guys who were put in place, they can't be upset. I, and honestly, I think this is going to, well, it's not like there has been any undefeated team since Miami uh, back when, what, they were only playing what maybe eight games, fourteen. 14 sorry, you're right. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't sixteen, but you're right, fourteen. Uh, but it was a shorter amount. Now going up to seventeen, not many teams are going to go undefeated. Uh, it will. It will be a, lot, a bigger feat. Of course, it hasn't happened in a long time. But they're not even going to come close. I think a lot of it, most teams are going to end up with two losses. Oh yeah, at least. And it's just an odd number. 17 games. Yeah. Um, Actually, where, where's this game coming from? Like, w- I guess you throw in, because, you know, division is set. You can only play your current division player team uh, teams only twice because otherwise the number is thrown off. So you have to throw in with another AFC team or another NFC team. But isn't the numbers done by, like, one team – you play one whole division, each yes. different rotation. So yes, so you you play one whole division in the AFC and the NFC, and you also play the whatever position that you in, ended up in in the previous season, um, in the AFC. So let's say the Patriots they finished third in their division, so they'll play everybody who finished third in the AFC. Um, but with this additional game, they'll play, uh, NFC team. And I think they said the AFC, like they're going to switch off between AFC, NFC, who has the home game for that 17th game. So the AFC has the home game this upcoming season. And then the NFC will have the home game the season after. So, I mean, it's, it's a weird thing, but I guess it's something that we just have to get used to. What are you talking about by home? Are you talking about home Super Bowl? No, no, no. Home game. So there's 17 games. So it'll no longer be eight home games, eight away uh-huh. games. So uh-huh. now there's going to be that one game in the AFC. Mm-hmm. They'll have the home game in the 2021 season for whatever extra team they're going to play. And then the, next, the, the year after, the NFC team will have that home game um, in 2022. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think what they're going to end up doing is uh, supplying that with 
minimum like matchups that happen in uh, the playoffs. Like, uh, let's say at least the Super Bowl matchup, they would always put, put that as a matchup there. That's an easy connector if they weren't already planned on uh, them playing. Well, so, what do you mean, Super Bowl matchup? So let's you know how AFC plays the NFC, and mm-hmm. it's, that's how you cross do it anyway. So it may not line up that you play them again the, the following year because you're in the NFC, one's in the AFC, and unless you're each division is playing each other, you're not going to play that team again unless you meet in a Super Bowl. Correct. Okay. Well, so yeah, yeah that's, would, that's correct. So that yeah, so they would use that game as. Uh, one that they would always set up to be a rematch of what happened the last Super Bowl. Um, maybe not exactly. I mean, because it's only they, one they, game. they've already t- they've already shown what team every team is going to play that extra game. So the Patriots finish third in their division, mm-hmm. and they're going to be playing Dallas for that extra game, the Dallas Cowboys, and Dallas finished third in their division. Okay. I got you. So they did it just that mathematical. I, I thought it would be smarter if they would at least make that happen, but it, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of confusion, but you know we'll get used to it at some point. Um, but do you think there is any benefit on the player side to a 17-game NFL season? Only thing is money. That's about it. Money. <laughs> uh, and I, I don't know whether what's going to actually. This was going to be the benefit. I think the next three years is the only time for the players to get some benefit out of this is incentives because contracts are set. If you have a more amount of games to reach a certain amount of uh, goals to get certain bonuses and if it's already set pre this kind of setup, then I don't think they're going back and revising all contracts. So I think that's the only way that they really uh, succeed is because there's an extra game to be able to accomplish those bonus levels. Yeah, I agree. Definitely incentives. Um, I think for those players who sign those one-year deals, like let's say a Juju Smith-Schuster, somebody who knew that um, the, the uh, what is it called? The salary cap was going to increase the following year. I'm pretty sure his agent was looking at that and they said, okay, let's just come back here for one year. And then the following year we'll, we'll sign maybe a four or five year contract. So we can get an even larger amount of money um, with that 17th NFL game. Um, But you also have to look at, there's an extra playoff game. They already implemented that this past season. So there's so many extra games. Um, It's just a lot. But I also think another benefit is stats. Now, if you're somebody who's very durable in Ironman, your stats are definitely going to be going up compared to some of those past people who've already set records. Like, records are definitely going to be broken, I think, at a higher pace than ever before. Yeah, but that's just just the kind of evolution of the league because that's why other records have gotten... Uh, beat. That's why even the current or the the NFL we know has uh, where these players are breaking their records because because of certain reasons. There's it's more of a throwing league. It's there's more games. It's it's certain things that has kind of ev- the evolution of the game has created it to where a lot of players can beat older records. Yeah, I mean, 
the NFL has now been tailored towards offense and scoring, and they want to see more and more of it. And it seems like it's really worked in their favor um, because they did sign some some really big contracts with um, ESPN, ABC, CBS, NBC, all of those you know local TV stations besides ESPN to host the Super Bowl and their regular season games. So the money's just going to come flying out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I agree. So they weren't going to turn this down. It, the biggest, <laughs> I, I really do think the biggest incentive was the loss of money during this this period of time, be, which I know the league lost, and it's also going to reflect on the players. Oh, yeah. They already decreased the salary cap for this past season. So, um, yeah, it's it's a ripple effect. But let's move along to the NBA with the trade deadline. So Lamar- LaMarcus Aldridge has now joined the Brooklyn Nets via a buyout. And now Rajon Rondo has moved from the Hawks to the Clippers with the Clippers now losing Lou Williams, Lemon Pepper Lou. And now the Lakers have added Andre Drummond um, from a buyout from the uh, Detroit Pistons. So with these trade deadline moves, who do you think benefited the most? Um, and sorry, he, he came from the Cavs. But oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> he was on the Detroit Pistons at one point, but he came from the Cavs. <laughs> but you said, what was that question again? Who do you think benefited the most? Which team? Um, uh, I, I have to say the Nets. They're out here building a super uber duper team. Um, boy, it, it's funny. It's real funny uh, because they just, if you look at it, every one of these players, you remember how the East used to be very weak, as they said, when LeBron used to be in it? Mm-hmm. All of those players, other than one, was all in the West. LeBron moves to the West, and everybody want to move out the West. Harden, West his entire career into the Nets. Uh, KD, West, entire career until uh, he went to the Nets. Uh, you can only count Kyrie in the East the entire time. Blake Griffin, uh, he, he came back. He came to the East. He's been in Detroit. He's been in purgatory for a while. And, and then you got LaMarcus Aldridge who also came from the West, who's now inside the East. So they, they keep saying that I guess they have the most powerful thing. I, I do think they're suspect. They're not being able to actually form their team. And I think actually I wanted it to unfold that KD was going to have to actually come back and win. But now he's just forming it to where they almost don't have an excuse not to win, which is actually making it even more interesting to me because – they lose. They they can't win in this situation, even if they win. Yeah, I would say that the Nets definitely won this one. Um, they're just trying to build this huge super team, and there's no way that they can lose. They cannot lose at any point, um, even in the finals. They have to close the deal this year. Um, all hands on deck. There's no way that they can come up short or or they'll, they'll look even worse than the Clippers did this past season. Oh, yeah. 
they're going to look worse than uh, Golden State um, blowing that 3-4 at 3-3 lead. And, uh, well, 3-1 lead in the finals. Uh, series lead. So I think it, they, they can't win because if they win, even if they win, because that's like the best, best possible scenario, even if you win, they're going to say yeah, it was all stacked, which is it's great for me. But I would love the, the scenario of the opposite, which they, they honestly can't win because if they don't win, oh, God, it's going to pour on. And it gets even worse if they lose anything lower than the finals. And even if they lose in the finals, it's still bad. But you lose anything lower than the finals, it's still bad. Nothing is good in this situation. I love the setup because it'd be even greater if LeBron beats them because this is about the third or fourth team that's been built just to beat LeBron. <laughs> it is. Well. <laughs> the Celtics, big three Celtics, beat LeBron, 22 years old, uh, go to state awards with KD because the other ones were kind of uh, together. But with KD, another one to beat LeBron. Uh, and this one, this team, that's three. And I wouldn't say really the Spurs, but so I give you three. There was three teams, at least minimum three super teams that were built just to beat LeBron. Well, oh, I forgot the Clippers supposedly. Yeah. Uh, what do you remember these quotes? Where, where are these quotes come from? You could not live with your own failure. Where did that bring you? Back to me. <laughs> uh, that's Thanos. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> So LeBron is Thanos in this situation. Well, they out here trying to, they built, like, that's actually what's going to be the biggest thing, I think, to his career. Because if he overcomes this one, oh, my God, it's solidified. I really do think it won't take a fifth this, uh, this for, for LeBron to be considered the greatest. This, that would be five. Sorry, not the, sorry, I, sorry, I meant to say it, it won't take a six. It won't take a six ring to solidify LeBron as the greatest. It won't, because all he has to do is win this one. Even if whether the Nets are there or not, does not matter. He will get, and if he wins this year, he will get solidified. And it's it even gets sweeter if he actually beats the Nets, because he would then overcome teams that were specifically built to beat him. It is like team. That's like franchises out here having superstars form together just to beat Zion, Zion Williamson. That's the equivalent. Yeah, but he's not on that level yet, or maybe ever. <laughs> um, of course. But yeah, this is a uh, this is just crazy. I mean, these guys just pairing up together. Um, but is the rest of the NBA becoming irrelevant due to play- players joining forces? Um, it's kind of always been like that, especially when in the East. Um, so I, I don't think, if anything, it's more disappointing that some of these other teams aren't showing up because people at least think that Boston is going to look good during the regular season. They're going to win their games, but they're not going to make it above. Like for some reason, we still think of them as those young boys who can't make it past a certain point, which it is that way. But it's even worse. They're they not even hitting 500 right now. They're not even winning half their games. It's looking real, real bad for the Celtics. So it kind of discounts almost all of the East uh, because Philly and Embiid is hurt right now. 
nobody pays attention to Philly anyway. Uh, Nets is the only thing that people even pay attention to in the East. And then you got the West where both of the top stars for the Lakers are hurt. Nobody really watches the Clippers and cares whether they do well. And so, yeah, I, I think, yeah, for real. Yeah, I would say yes. It is making it in, irrelevant, but at the same time, it's just what's going on right now. A lot of players are hurt. Well, yeah, a lot of players are hurt. So I think that does um, play a part in this. But definitely, this is definitely making the rest of the NBA irrelevant. This is making the regular season irrelevant. And I would say that for the most part on, on my side, I mean, it's not as interesting to watch some um, of these other teams because mm-hmm. of, you know, it's yeah. <laughs> these players are just joining up and it's just like, ah, why am I even watching this? Why even try? Just wait until, I guess, the finals or whatever. But it's the, the rest of the NBA is just irrelevant and it's not. It's really not a good look. I, I I like it because it puts LeBron and the Lakers in the underdog spot. They since they had won the championship, it, it kept them always. Now, at least for the past couple months, since they won, and possibly even in the bubble as the top team that's to beat. Uh, so, and that they were the most team that's in, in the most dominant spot to repeat. But now they're in the the underdog position. Nobody can say that uh, the Lakers are a the big dog to underdog situation uh, when it comes to the Nets. Yeah, the Lakers should be the underdog in the situation, but everybody's looking at them like, okay, they're most likely going to be in the NBA Finals. They just added Andre Drummond, a guy who's basically a walking double-double, so they're just waiting on the, the Lakers and the Nets, but I, I don't think it's a good look. I mean, it's, it's really messing up the NBA, in my opinion. I think it makes it interesting. Nah, I think it's the total opposite. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually okay with it, because when there wasn't, like, a real big... Uh, super team last year. I think it wasn't as interesting for a while also. It's not like it was the only interesting part about it was really people saying that the Clippers were going to somehow beat the Lakers, but they never even got to a chance to beat or play against the Lakers. So I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think that it, it the Lakers are going to be the ones who get there and, it, it's kind of always been like that unless you had a super team. It's not as interesting without it. Well, I mean, you had a lot of duos last year where you had some maybe potential title contenders and, you know, the Rockets, they still had some good pieces. They added Westbrook. Um, the I mean, nobody exactly thought of the, the Nuggets as title contenders, but they made it all the way to the... Um, uh, the Western Conference Finals, and then you had what, who made it in the East? It was the the Heat, and I'm trying to remember who made it in the in the East. Giannis. No, no, no. But he he beat them before then, or the yeah. Heat beat beat them before then. Who yeah. did they play in the in the finals or Eastern Conference Finals? It was the Celtics. Yeah, it was them. But yeah, I mean, you had fringe 
fringe title contenders. Now you just got okay. We just waiting on two teams. You just waiting until the finals. That, that's all you're really True, waiting on. I would agree. Like last year was the most even odds. That's why LeBron. I would also say that's why LeBron and them won because it was the most even odds where. There wasn't a true super team out there. Go to state was nowhere of a, a threat. Um, Still, it, not. It, it, you're right, <laughs> but <laughs> there was just nothing out there that was overly dominant. And when the when the scales are even, LeBron wins, and he can possibly win some that are overly stacked, which is the Golden State situation. So you you're saying. Going against the Heat was evenly stacked. Well, I'm talking about the whole NBA <laughs> being evenly stacked. That, that okay. have to, he, he don't have to anything to do with who makes it out of the East. That does That's not true. have to do at all with the Lakers or uh, LeBron at all. He fault. only he can only face who comes there. <laughs> That's it. And I, I actually love that the Heat got there, but I'm talking about overall the NBA. There was no overly stacked situation where it was just like, uh, y'all kind of, you're, you're doing a little bit too much. It, it seems as though you're trying to overload a situation because uh, LeBron and AD is not a super team. Um, I, even Paul George and Kawhi, that's not a super team. It's a duo, like you were saying. It, it was just, it was the land of the duos. It was just a little bit more even across the league. Yeah, and I think I enjoyed it better then, but now it's just too much. Now it's just two teams, you're waiting on them to get to the finals, and everybody else, why even watch? No, I like it for the drama. I love it when they don't have no choice but to do something, and you don't get credit for doing it. I know that sounds messed up, but when it comes to them, that's how I like it. Because that's what happened to... Because Kevin Durant is attached. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're right. Because that's what happened to Golden to State. I love that they didn't have a choice but to win it that third year. But when they lost it, you know, I was over here singing Kawhi's praise. Ko- uh, Koba to Kawhi, all this other stuff. I was loving it. And it's all because they didn't have a choice but to win it. They'd get no credit for getting it. It's just what you were supposed to do. I've actually known that life when it came to playing with independence. We didn't get... Uh, parades or, or you know uh, jamborees and stuff like that because it's just what we were supposed to do. It, it just wasn't as satisfying versus doing it because you overcame something that people didn't expect you to do. Double yeah. edged sword. But I'll ask: Is a Nets and Lakers NBA Finals inevitable? Um, I guess. I. I because I'm rooting for them to lose in the East. I don't even. I I'm not afraid in any way of the Nets being facing the Lakers in the championship. Not at all, because it builds for an even better storyline. But I would love for them to lose in the East because it's going to be that type of disrespect that is thrown on the Clippers, but worse. Well, I'm going to say yes. It's inevitable. Um, all of these guys coming together. It's it's just too much. It's like the Avengers coming together to beat Thanos, which is LeBron in this situation. Um, Anthony Davis is the, the the children of Thanos. He's all of them in in, in one. But it's it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Lakers Lakers versus Nets, and 
I guess we have to wait a couple of months until that happens. Yeah, I can't wait for these playoffs. Um, <laughs> I really can't wait for the playoffs because it feels like we were just there not too long ago, which we weren't. It, what they, the NBA playoffs ended in what, late October, mid, mid-October, right? Maybe yeah, November? somewhere around there. It was no, like no, late, it definitely was November. It was late it was October. October. Like late October. We're just in March, which doesn't seem super far from that point. That's less than six months. But we're really like on a, what, less than a month away from playoffs? Or is it right about a month? It, it's about a month. When, it, when does the uh, NBA playoffs start? Uh, let me check that really quickly. It might be a little bit more than a month because if LeBron's going to be out for another month, I don't think they think that he's going to be out completely before the playoffs start. I think he was going to be out for maybe like four weeks. I think he said they said, yeah, four weeks, and they might have like six games left after that. So yeah, they they still go into May. Um, well, May about a, May May sixteenth is the last one. So a month and a half. That's still not that's not long at all because it's literally about to be April first. Yeah, so about a month and a half. And so it not might long. be already April first, depending on <laughs> when y'all are listening to this. But uh, yes, it's it's less than a month and a half away. Or right about. Yeah, but I think it's inevitable that the situation between the Lakers and the Nets, um, that's what we're going to have as far as the finals. I mean, you know, things happen, but you have to beat that team four times to move on. I think they should fear Katie's return. Because I think it's still, I think he's, I, I, I kind of always thought this, that he wasn't going to be able to be the same person. His body is not of the durable type. I think once you on a skinnier body or a long, even longer body, it, you're more prone to that injury being a little bit more detrimental as you age. So I think that KD's, he can shoot. He can still going to be able to shoot. He can still be able to move around, but... I think that they should actually have to worry about whether he's going to be able to return. It's almost like he hasn't been there all year. Yeah, but I, I think he's just resting up for um, the playoff run or whatever. With a month like, and a half to go, and you got to mesh with a new team. That's he's like, never, I don't need, I don't need meshing time. I, that, I, I'm good. That would be I play with Golden State. <laughs> that'd be absolutely stupid yeah, because I guess he's saying I am LeBron, but even LeBron wouldn't do that. Uh, you you need time to mesh. You don't know what's going to happen, and you don't you don't know who's going to take a shot when. And it seems like it's a whole lot of big name people on the scene, so they got to be prepared to take the shot and also not to take the shot. Yeah, I mean, there's an adjustment period, but I think they'll figure it out. Um, but let's move it on when to is our that last adjustment up. period. I mean, I don't know. In practice, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that's why we only got a month and a half. So when is that adjustment period in the playoffs? Once they get on the court, I don't know. <laughs> but go ahead. So we're moving along to our last subject, which is about UConn versus Baylor. So 
UConn is headed to its 13th consecutive women's Final Four with a chance at their 12th national championship after a controversial non-call at the end of the Huskies' 69-67 victory over Baylor. So, trailing 68-67 with five seconds left, Baylor guard DeJane Carrington appeared to be fouled by two Huskies players, Aaliyah Edwards and Olivia Nelson Odeda, I think, as she went up for a shot. No foul was called. UConn got the ball back, and Christian Williams was fouled. She made one free throw with less than a second left, which accounted for the final score. So, from what you saw, do you think the refs did the right thing with not calling a foul? I actually do. Because I, I watched the game. I watched the game live. Now, if you're watching from replay, it definitely looked like a foul. And, and at the time, I was like, oh, foul. But really watching the game, that was the go-to play. They kept running that play with her specifically going to the corner, going to the corner. And to be real, on the last couple like minutes of the game, even though they kept going to that play, they kept double teaming them right there. They kept putting the wall up right there. So honestly, I would have, I think she never should have went there for that type of shot. But it was a foul. But just knowing the series of events, uh, it's kind of like, I kind of don't want to give her credit for it because she kept trying to use it. Uh, yeah, eventually it was going to hit you a little bit. Yes, it's a foul if you're looking at it in slow motion, but why are you putting it in the ref's hands? Well, I think it was more about not being smart with the ball. Maybe she shouldn't have taken a shot over two players. Um, yeah, they they definitely bumped her. But, you know, you have to be in that phone booth defense. And, you know, the, the defender has the right to their space. And I'm going to say, ah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a hard one. I mean, it's, they it's a split. Her. It's a split decision. I, I don't think it. I, I don't think it was really. It, it's it's fifty fifty for me. I mean, you can call they it either fouled way. her, but they fouled her. But after a certain amount of times, who's going to call it on the last call? Like, I just don't think that after a ref has seen you go and do this play multiple times, and they had two defenders there multiple times, it was like literally like uh, each play they were coming down on that side of the field with the same player doing the same exact thing. And both times they putting up both hands and maybe they'll get out of it by him, her passing it off or it'll just be that wall of them. They definitely hit her, but I think that she got the ref fatigued on what she had already done multiple times. Exactly the same thing that who's going to call a foul on that now? Like it's only a, it's so 50 50 that it, it didn't look out of, out of order, but I, they definitely did hit her a little bit. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, there's always going to be contact on plays, but I think if it was excessive, like you saw them like literally kind of, I don't know, extend their hands to where that person was falling all the way back, then there's no doubt you got to call that. But I think this is a 50-50 situation, and I think the ref did the right thing in this situation. I agree, because it's the going to a championship. You know, you don't call that foul because it's a one-point game. That literally gets them there. If you play defense after that, yeah, but I mean, I mean, the players still have to make the shot, though. True, but if she you got sweaty hands. 
true, but he she was the baller. She she was their their baller. She balls. So I, I just can't. Nah, it, you you don't put it in the ref's hands, especially doing a move that they seen you do five other times right before this and get the same result. Two people putting up their hands with a wall uh, above you. So I just thought it was a dumb move in general if you already got stopped that way multiple other plays like they were getting it sometimes but you was also not getting it why you i guess you're going to your go-to but that's what the problem is you you fatigue the the refs on seeing the same thing so if it's 50 50 i'm not calling it yeah i mean you go to your go-to move but you be smart about it don't just do the the, the thing the exact same time expecting them not to adjust to it. So I'm going to blame it on the player and the coach. You got to draw up a better play. I completely agree. I was literally sitting there because it was only a couple seconds left in the game. And they, you know, those period of times where they, they got to take up the ball, stuff like that. I was like, yo, this is when you come up with Z play, you know, the play that y'all ran a million times, or, you know, that if you were ever in trouble, this is the play you play, whether it is your, your go-to that can't be stopped. That's what the play you need to be selecting. But that's it wasn't not stoppable. They were already stopping that same exact play. Yeah, you just got to be smart about it. I mean, you can do a variation of your go-to move, but don't do what's already been stopped. Completely agree. But that does for us at Sunny Thinking No Sports. We'll move it along to the trivia questions. It's almost for choice. We've got three questions. Uh, Alex comes up with them, and I'll try to give you a little bit of commentary. But you can go ahead and go with that first one, Alex. All right. So question one, which NBA player has hit the most free throws in NBA history? A, Carl Malone, B, Kobe Bryant, or C, Oscar Robinson? Hmm. Okay. Well... From what I know about Oscar Robinson, he was a triple-double machine. Um, and I think they played at a very high pace, so he's probably able to get a lot of free throws. Kobe Bryant, uh, I'm not sure. He's, he was definitely a scorer, but I'm not sure about his free throws. And then the last one, was it Carmelone? Yes, correct. Carmelone, um... I think he was he's been one of the highest scores. Well, he has I think maybe the most points in the NBA ever. I'm not sure. But go ahead and ask that question one more time. Okay. So, which NBA player has hit the most free throws in NBA history? A, Carl Malone, B, Kobe Bryant, or C, Oscar Robinson? Well, this is a pretty hard one. I think it could be any of these guys, but I'm going to go with Karl Malone because I feel like he had or may have had the um, most points scored in the NBA. Good answer. Good answer. It literally is one, two, three on the list. Like they are one, two, and three. Um, <laughs> Karl Malone is number one with 9,787 9, free throws. Kobe is number two with eight. 1,378 and Oscar Robinson. Actually, he may be like number four. I think I skipped somebody just due to the not popular name. I think it's like uh, Oscar something else. But <laughs> Oscar Robinson was like, <laughs> it's for real, though. Uh, but it's Oscar uh, Robinson was 
7,694 free throws, but he's somewhere like between four. I think they're the top four. Okay. But starting off on the right foot. Oh, yeah. So one for one. Question two Which player has the longest touchdown reception in Super Bowl NFL history? A. Sorry. Uh, A. Randy Moss. B. Musin Muhammad. Or C. Jerry Rice. Oh, okay. Um, this one's a little hard, but I think I can throw one out, and that would be Randy Moss. He only scored one touchdown, and that was against the Giants the first time. That was like a goal line touchdown, so I'm just going to throw him out. Um, Jerry Rice, I'm just not even sure. I know he's had some long touchdowns. Um, Musin Muhammad... He played with the Panthers, and that was against the Patriots. And I remember the play. I just can't remember the number and the name on the back of the jersey. But it was a guy diving into the end zone. It was a long throw. And it might have been him or Steve Smith. It was one of them. Um, But go ahead and ask that question one more time. Okay. So which player has the longest touchdown reception in Super Bowl NFL history? A, Randy Moss. B, Musim Muhammad or C, Jerry Rice. I'm just not sure about Jerry Rice. I feel like it's Musim Muhammad, so I'm gonna go with that answer. Final answer. Correct, correct. It is Musim <laughs> Muhammad, and he was on the pay, uh, on the Panthers, and it was an 85 yard touchdown. He has the it longest. Him, him, him diving through the end zone, right? Uh, I think that's the one, but I, I, I guess I don't remember the specific <laughs> <laughs> touchdown. But <laughs> yes, I, I remember the Super Bowl, but I don't remember the play exactly like you do on that one. I remember when uh, Steve Smith stiffed arm Ty, Ty Law, but I don't remember <laughs> that one specifically. Okay, but, well, two for two. Oh yeah. All right, so we're going for that three for three. Question three: Which women's college? NCA basketball team has the most championships. Ah, three. <laughs> A, Connecticut, B, Tennessee, or C, Baylor. Hmm. Um, I think the obvious answer would be UConn. Um, Tennessee, I know they were really good. I'm not sure how good they've been lately. I know they've won a lot of championships. I don't know anything about Baylor, but uh, I think the safest answer is UConn. So I'm going to go with that one for my final answer. Correct. Three for three. <laughs> Connecticut has 11. Uh, Tennessee has eight. And Baylor has three. Okay. Yeah. I didn't think Baylor had too many. Um, I know Tennessee was pretty good back in the day. I'm not sure how they are right now. But UConn has been a role, I don't know, for the past 15, 20 years. So had to go with that one. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's it. So you think, you know, sports, see you next week. That was my bottle.